You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. on climate change. Thank you to my WPFW family. Thank you to all of our supporters, like the Union of Concerned Scientists, to the League of Conservation Voters. Today, we have an amazing show. I mean, we have an amazing show with special guests on to discuss the various attacks on clean air and clean water. And first and foremost, let me just give a shout out to my co-host with the most, uh, Mustafa Santiago Ali, who was not here. He is on the road uh, in Houston. Um, he's keynoting. So thank you, Mustafa. Be safe out there um, on your travels. Let me get right into it. Uh, first, let me give some shout outs. Today is the six month anniversary of Hurricane Maria hitting Puerto Rico. Um, and, you know, I just want to say first to those, there were so many activists today who were in D.C. who were outside of FEMA, um, who were getting arrested in the Senate uh, rotunda. Um, you know, this this is why we do this show. This is why we do um, the Hip Hop Caucus Think 100 um, percent. Why we do this show, because climate change is real. Um, there is such a lack of 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 housing right now. People are still people are still in the dark. I mean, they are still in the dark. Suicides are going up. Um, so it is it is it is very serious. Um, you know, this is not about Republican or Democrat. This is about humanity. Please be clear. This is about humanity. It's about doing the right thing. Folks who are in the U.S. Virgin Islands, folks who are in Puerto Rico are Americans. And we should make sh- it is a shame to be six months out and they are still dealing with blackouts and not having the, the water that needs to have. I'm also very excited, though, with that. With that being said, I'm excited that this past weekend in the spirit of hip hop, you know what I'm saying? In that in that spirit. Um, there was a power to the people benefit um, show in Puerto Rico last Sunday with my dear brother Akon, Black Thought, Buster Rhymes, Black Star, Raekwon and Ghostface, Dead Press, Jeremiah, Lupe Fiasco, Jeremiah, who many of you know did a song on the People's Coming Music with Antonique Smith, uh, Here Comes the Sun. These are, and they raised money for. Uh, Hurricane Maria relief and rebuilding efforts on the island. And so I just want to give a big shout out to all of them who did that. Well, I'm in this shout out mood right now. I guess while I'm in this shout out mood, let me just give a shout out for the activists who are fighting uh, the fossil fuel pipelines all over this country. 
And there have been many who have been on the front lines this week. Those at the Kinder Morgan Pipeline in Canada, uh, those who are the kayaktivists in Seattle. If you don't know, those are activists in kayaks. <laughs> and so we want to give a shout out to those activists who are on the front line in, in Maryland. They were activists in Maryland who were, who were putting up a very, just an amazing fight against the new pipelines in the state of maryland um so i just want to give a shout out and then you know i mentioned before this is not about republican or, or democrat but you know demonstration without legislation leads to frustration so i definitely want to give a shout out in advance to all the congressional members that are planning to reject the trump uh administration's terrible budget proposal um this you know this this would be a rejection of the dismantling of agencies like EPA that protect our health and communities and like the clean water we're still fighting for um, in Flint. Um, and so I just want to give a shout out in advance. This is this is this this is encouragement for those uh, who are in Congress to, to do the right. Thing. I don't give you Republican or Democrat or independent. Do the right thing. Just say no to these budgets that are cutting things. That's I don't understand how clean air and clean water is not something that you would want to fight. I, mean, I understand. I understand there are those who are behind this process who want to put profits before people, but it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And then my final, my, my final shout out, I definitely want to say this coming weekend, all over the country. And today, actually, there was a shooting uh, earlier today um, in Maryland. Um, but there will be, I'm so proud of these young people who are coming all over the country for the March for Our Lives. And I just want to say something to that, that, you know, when Dr. King marched uh, back in 1963 with, uh, you know, the um, with his famous I Have a Dream speech when he did that, um, and then that march back then in the 20th century, was called the March for Jobs and Justice. So this coming weekend, we have young people, teenagers, who are marching, and their march is called the March for Our Lives. Let that just sink in for a minute. Let that just kind of hit you right now. Let, let, let Imagine that, that we were fighting for equality in the 20th century. Now we got babies who are fighting for existence in the 21st century. I mean, that's that's tough. But but before we get into our, our first guest, make sure you follow us at Hip Hop Caucus um, um, and you check out the show's blog at think100.info. That's think100.info. If you're listening to the show, I take my questions, and I hope you will have some because this is a serious issue on Twitter. You can ask your questions using hashtag Think 100. That's hashtag Think 100. So let me get into this right now. I have an amazing guest in this. I mean, I'm telling you, I have an amazing, an amazing guest in the studio. I'm so happy to have her with me. Um, um, she is the amazing Carol Bronner. She is the former administrator of the U.S. Uh, Environmental Protection Agency, better known as EPA. She has led uh, the environment and uh, and climate activism. She was an advisor for President Obama, and she's the current chair of the board for the League of Conservation Voters. That's an amazing organization. LCV, shout out for LCV. In the studio, give it up for my dear friend, Carol Bronner. Carol, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to be with you. No, nah, Carol, so good to see you. And as you heard, we talked about 
Puerto Rico, and we heard about there's so many things going on right now. So with climate change and, and the seriousness behind climate change, and I know you've been in this, you, you've led the EPA, so you've been in that, you've been around as the, as the climate czar, as the climate advisor for President Obama. You know, what, what's, what's your inspiration? Wow. Um, you know what's my inspiration today? Um, those kids who are going to march this weekend, hmm. uh, you know, fighting for our lives, right. um, young right. people rising up. I also want to just join you in, in recognizing the people of Puerto Rico. I mean, yes. not only are they Americans, they're human beings. That's right. And they deserve to be treated with basic dignity. And it is shameful, it is embarrassing that our government is not doing that. And so, you know, you've, you've been all over this country reaching out to young people, activating young people, getting them involved in elections, and uh, we need more of them involved. And so, you know, thank you for everything you're doing and for all of the thank leadership you. that you're providing through the Hip Hop Caucus and through uh, Respect My Vote. It's, it's such important work. And finally, let me just say it is a real pleasure to have you on the League of Conservation Voter yes, Board indeed. of Directors. Um, the Rev, as, as, as we like to call them, uh, always makes our meetings that's, that's what, that's, much that's, more interesting. That's what they call me, actually. That's, 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 that's what... <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's what... You know, and, and LCV is... is, a, is a, and that's important. And actually, I'm actually going to because you've been in this in this movement, and we, we mentioned LCV for as an example, and what they're doing in regards to voting. Um, but how did you get started in this movement? So I think um, a couple of things. You know, like all of us, there's a little bit that starts when you were a kid. Um, I grew up in Florida. I grew up when the Everglades was okay. still sort of a beautiful, uh, untouched, somewhat unspoiled area. Um, equally important, my parents were activists. My parents were routinely demonstrating against the Vietnam War, demonstrating mm. outside of Richard Nixon's uh, summer home uh, in Miami. And so they really instilled in me this sense that uh, you need to raise up your voice. You need to be passionate about what uh, you believe in. And I've had the great honor to serve uh, the people of the state of Florida. I was Secretary of the Environment there uh, to serve the people of this country as the head of EPA for uh, eight years, the longest serving EPA administrator. Congratulations. Thank you. And then later to serve uh, under President Obama. And you know what? I will tell you, there is nothing better than getting up every day and getting to go to work and thinking about how to make our air just a little bit cleaner, our water a little bit safer, and most importantly, a better future for our children. It's been an honor. Man, I wish all EPA administrators had that had that thought. I wish they woke up with that that feeling in their heart to protect I wanna have clean air and and clean water, but you know, we we will just we'll just keep this one, keep that keep that one kind of kind of going. Uh, uh, you know, this this show is is actually there's a intro. The many folks who are listening to this show uh, think 100 percent the coolest show on climate change. Who are listening to this show right now? You know, they might know actually all the aspects. So if you can just tell them what is climate change. Well, basically, we're just altering, we human beings, yes, human beings, are altering uh, the climate 
of the earth. It's not about weather. It's not about what's going to happen today, tomorrow, next week. It's about the climate. And what that means is all sorts of very frightening and very scary things. We'll see the spread of diseases into areas where we haven't seen it before. Uh, we'll see sea level rise. My home state of Florida, you know, they're already looking at saltwater intrusion into freshwater supplies. And, and when you say sea level rising, explain, what, what does that mean? So what happens is the icebergs will melt and the sea will literally rise. And so low-lying areas will start to flood up. We've already seen what are referred to as climate change refugees, people who Mm. have had to leave low-lying nations around the world because there's too much salt water. They literally can't live there. They can't farm there anymore. But, you know, the the important thing, Rev, and, and you know this, but it's always important to say, because I think sometimes we talk about how awful the consequences will be and people throw up their hands and they're like, you know what, I got to pick the kids up from daycare. I can't think about this. Mm-hmm. We can all think about it. We all need to think about it. And it's not too late. That's the really most important thing. Um, it's going to be harder because we've taken a long time, but it's not too late. We can make simple decisions. We can make simple changes. You know, 100% clean energy. It would be huge. It's doable. We have the technology. We can do what it will take. And, you know, I don't want to be, and I'm sure you don't want to be, and our listeners don't want to be the first generation, I'm 62, uh, to pass on to another generation a problem they can't solve. We need to be about solving this one. But, but, let's, but, let's, but let's, 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 let's deal with that. I mean, because science is science, right? And the realities of climate change are real and you know, you're right. I mean, that's the thing that motivates me to do this show, why it motivates me to be having these conversations. But I also realize, as you mentioned, that the, the that Hurricane Irma, Harvey, Maria, uh, what uh, folks that I know back in Louisiana went through with Katrina, with folks that went through in Superstorm Sandy, the firestorms, the, 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 I mean, the droughts, the mudslides, it's getting scary. Mm-hmm. It's it's real, and 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 I and sometimes you know I have kids who come to me who listen to this show. They say, "Man, Rev, do we got a chance? Like like if if these folks keep pulling out from Paris and they don't want to do the clean power plan, do we have? And if you can speak to those children who may be coming here for the march for our lives, could they march for our lives for either for gun reform or climate justice or whatever we march for our lives for? Do we have a chance? We do, and we have to. We have to believe that we can solve this problem. You know, again, I think Mm. there are things we can do today. There are technologies that are becoming increasingly available. I mean, I think about it. When I first started in this work, right, the idea that we would find ourselves in a place where no one is building a coal-fired power plant in the United States, it's not going to happen. There may still be some out there. They need to be shut down. They need to be taken offline. But the fact that we are now at a place where we're looking at more and more renewables, we're looking at more solar, we're looking at more wind, all of that is positive. And, you know, in my experience of of technology and innovation and change, it's not just linear. It's not like you take one step and then you take two and then you take three. It starts slowly, but then it gets going really, really fast. And we have that opportunity. We have the ability to take smart people, to take smart technologies, and to find solutions that will reduce the carbon pollution that is leading to climate change. So let me change directions. And thank you for that. I mean, that's, I feel better. You know, I feel, 
I feel a little. I feel a little better. It would and, be good if we had a president. Well, who I, it know, was I, real. I, 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 we we gonna get there. We gonna get to the, the your your former spot at EPA and what's going on because that that seems to be there seems to be some misdirection and and that in that regard. But you have dedicated much of your career to public service. Talk about your time at EPA. What was it like uh, when you got there? And, and how did you navigate the challenge? Because I'm hoping that I'm hoping that you, I'm hoping that other folks who are listening. This is this is the whole. I'm a positive person. I'm hoping that folks who are now at EPA hear the positivity uh, from you, and so they take take this to move forward. So, um, what? How did you navigate some of those challenges? And, and you know, explain the importance of that agency. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you to all the people who are at the EPA. Mm. People who have been there. And most importantly, the people who are there today, these are really, really fine public servants. These are people who have committed their lives to understanding how best to go about protecting our air and our water. Mm-hmm. And so a special thank you uh, to, to the folks that I had the opportunity to work with, the, the career uh, employees who bring their expertise to bear. I, I, I I think it's probably pretty tough times in there right now. I don't get invited in, um, <laughs> but my sense is it's tough times. But uh, they deserve uh, a shout out. Uh, they are they are good people. You know, the thing to remember about the EPA is it's not free to just wake up and do anything it wants on any given day. The administrator is not free to wake up and do whatever it wants. There's the law. Congress passes a law saying we want clean air. We want you to regulate these pollutants. So EPA follows the law, and then EPA follows the science. I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah. When I was at EPA, there was a man called Tom DeLay. Um, he worked for Newt Gingrich. He was a member of Tom Congress. Dance with the Stars, Tom DeLay. Dancing with the Stars, Tom DeLay. <laughs> yes, you might remember that. And um, we were in a congressional hearing, and I was testifying as an administrator of the EPA will do. And he got quite angry at me. This is in the 90s. And he said, well, you're regulating climate change. And I said... You know, we're looking at it. You're right. We're looking at the science. It's, you know, there's a a lot of emerging science, but we're not actually setting a pollution standard. And he said to me, well, I want you to tell me whether or not you have the legal authority to do that. Hmm. So I went back to my lawyers and I said, do you think we have the legal authority to regulate the pollution that leads to climate change? This was sort of a new question. It had never been thought of before. The law didn't mention it. And my lawyers, you know, being lawyers, they took a while, but they came back and they said, if the science shows that climate change endangers public health and welfare, you have to regulate it under the law. That's right. So we wrote the memo. We left office. Elections matter. Mr. Gore lost. We left office. And uh, the state of Massachusetts took that memo and sued EPA and said, you should be regulating climate change. You should be regulating carbon pollution. Mr. Bush got a Supreme Court decision that said... That's right. The Browner memo was basically right, but they didn't do anything. Lisa Jackson, a good friend of yours, came to office under President Obama and started the whole work of saying carbon pollution endangers public health and welfare. Once she said that and signed that scientific document, she had to regulate it. And that's when I was able to do work with Lisa and other people in the state of California, the car companies, to set pollution standards for carbon pollution from cars. Mm. Mr. Trump and Mr. Pruitt seem bound and determined to roll those back. That would be a big mistake because this country... Explain, explain that. I mean, because we, they're already they're rolling back 
everything. Everything. And and and, I, and actually, I want. I mean, let me just say this for those who are listening. You you understand that, you know, this is very dear because for particularly for communities of color who are at most at risk sometimes for pollution in their communities. This is devastating. So these rollbacks have horrendous e- e- impacts. So tell us about why, first of all, when people hear car standards, it's okay, what do you, what do you mean? A, a car standard is just saying, no, what, you know, how many doors a car has? And, you know, what, what do you mean? When, so when you say car standards regarding pollution, what does that mean? What is that policy? And how and why does that need to remain on the book? So it was basically two things that, that we did. One is we set the first ever carbon pollution standard. Lisa Jackson did that. And then another agency, the Department of Transportation, actually sets fuel efficiency standards. Mm. And so Ray LaHood uh, set fuel efficiency standards. So you had two set of requirements so that our cars would be cleaner. The most important thing to know is a car would go further on a tank of gas. So that's good for families. They'd save mm-hmm. some money. And what came out of it would actually be cleaner than it is today, which is hugely important, particularly in urban areas. And the net effect was, by 2025, car companies would have to achieve a 54.5 mile per gallon fuel efficiency. That's what they want to roll back. They want to take away that effort to make our cars cleaner, to make a gallon of gas go further. And it's an important standard. It's important for communities, it's important for consumers, and it's important for climate change. Mm. So we, so let me just say this in, in that in that aspect that there are things that are on the books that clearly are beneficial, not only from a standpoint of just day to day living, but for protecting people's health. Absolutely. So 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 let's get into that. So I'm going to get into these attacks. Then I want to I want to deal with these attacks because there's been many recent attacks from clean water, clean air to literally those things that are fighting, uh, um, you know, uh, the, the clean power plan, pulling out from the Paris Agreement. Let's deal with this. What in the world is going on? What is the mentality that if these things are good for Americans, why in the world, you sat in that position, would you want to pollute Americans instead of protecting Americans. It is impossible to imagine that any Democrat or Republican running the EPA would think their job is to roll back air pollution, water pollution, toxic standards. It's impossible to imagine. But that's what we have. And, you know, I can only guess, I can only surmise from the actions that the current administration, the Trump administration is taking, that somehow or another they want to befriend uh, polluters. They want to give polluters a break. That's the only thing you can surmise. Is the pressure from, I mean, this, this doesn't make any, is the pressure from polluters that extreme? That, I mean, can you sat in that position. Are, are they coming in and, and they feel, I mean, this, that seems, it seems like madness. It is madness. It's absolute madness. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And it's not what the law says. I mean, that's the other thing. Remember, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. You have to follow the law. Mm. Congress said in 1990, we're going to protect kids from toxic air pollution. That's what they said. And they said, EPA, do your job. Set these standards. Require polluters to reduce their mercury. It's a neurotoxin. Reduce your mercury pollution. And if they don't, take them to court. Hold them accountable. That's how it works. Apparently not in this administration. 
Well, we have some work to do, so let's actually deal with the movement. Can we actually, man? This this time went, went fast. I tell you, this is this is man. Carrie, you got to come on. You got to come back. We got we got to have you know. We gotta, Happy to. You got we got to get you back in here to have to continue this conversation. Let's deal with some of the the, the movement. Actually, I, I just want to commend you. I think that let me say this because we, as my friend, uh, my partner in here who's not here, I speak for him, Mustafa. Ali would say we 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 have real talk. That's that was what if I was speaking for Mustafa. He said we have real talk in here, uh, and so uh, let, let's have a little let's have a little bit of real talk. Um, you know, sometimes our progressive movement, our climate movement, can be kind of male heavy, right? Little, it can be a little little little, little male heavy, little, little patriarchal. Uh, you know, um, and we and you as, as a woman have been amazing. Um, you know, you're, you're leading from your leadership at EPA, your leadership, um, at the board chair at, at LCV. Um, and women to me, there is no movement without women. Women are the corner. Um, shout out to, to my mama. I know she listening. They know to, uh, uh, dude, they have been, they are critical. Tell me, how do we ensure, and for the young, Activists, young ladies who are listening to you right now, and I say, man, that's amazing. How, how, what, why is it important for us to not only have more women voices, but even more importantly, that to broaden the movement so people of color and other communities, indigenous communities, frontline communities, are at not not just uh, at the kitty table, but at the table, um, leading the discussion. We all breathe the same air at the end of the day, and so. In some parts of the country, the air is worse than in others. In some parts of the country, the water is worse than the other. Flint, Michigan, a, a, a tragic, hmm. tragic situation. But we need all the voices at the table. One thing I found when I was running EPA is I would reach out to women through their children. There's not a mother in this country who doesn't care about her children and the quality of air they breathe and the water they drink. And we saw that in Flint. We saw lots of women, lots of right. mothers standing up and raising um, their voices. And so, you know, I think that we need to continue to engage all of the communities. I think some of the work we're able to do at the League of Conservation Voters, hugely important, bringing communities of color uh, into the electoral process, the work that, that you're doing. You know, at the end of the day, when we think about all of the tools available to protecting our environment, that will only happen if people take the time to vote. That's right. And they That's vote right. for people who believe that climate say change is real. Say it loud, say it vote, proud. Vote, <laughs> vote. I mean, it is It is so <laughs> fundamental to our democracy right. that That's people right. participate, that they become educated, they become informed. Know where your member of Congress stands on these issues. The LCB, we put out a voting card. Look at our voting card. And, See what's, what, that, and what's that voting card So called? a voting card takes a series of votes that have been cast uh, in Congress, in the House, and in the Senate, and says, did you vote on the environmental side of the equation, or did you vote on the polluter side? And then we give you a, a letter grade, basically. Okay, so I know everybody got an A, right? No. Oh, no. No. no, if we graded on the, <laughs> let me just say this: even if we graded on a curve, oh, not a curve, no, they didn't there get wouldn't a have been everybody don't getting say an they a. Don't get an a. What a curve! <laughs> it wasn't happening. Okay, come on, listen, ladies and gentlemen in Congress, listen, you should always get a, an A for the environment. So, do so. The, the, the folks get anybody get an F? Oh my! God. We had, you know, one of the issues we face right now is that we've got a political party that, at least their leadership doesn't even think climate change is real. They're not sure. There's not enough science. I mean, they've got a million and one uh, reasons. We have more science on the reality mm. of climate change than we've had on 
any other issue. I'll give you a good example. If we had waited to ban lead, mm-hmm. to know every last little bit of information about how a kid might become sick, about how a kid might lose IQ points, which kid would lose them, we'd still have lead in our paint today. But we made a decision based on a lot of science, not every single piece of science, and we protected a whole generation of kids. We have more science on climate change than we've ever had, and we can't make a decision. Wow. Wow. You know, and and I'll say, you know, there's some connections there, you know, with what we do within, you know, the civil rights community. There's a connection when we see things like Freddie Gray in Baltimore, who was poisoned by lead, and also dealing with the issues with we dealing with police reform and other issues. We see those connections, right? We see how the environment impacts. We saw it with, with Eric Garner. Um, and with, with so, I mean, I, I, I want to be clear on the on the lead thing. We took it out of paint. It doesn't mean there still aren't homes, right. uh, low income housing where the lead exposure is completely off the charts. I, I'm not suggesting that we've solved the problem all the way, but by getting it out of paint, we certainly protect it. No, by it, taking it out of gasoline, yeah. we certainly protect yeah. it. A lot of people. We have more to do. Let me let me ask you this, a couple couple of things, and then I gotta have you back. We, we got you gotta come back. Let me just say this: you know, our movement, you know, we we have a very we were we were very a movement that has a lot of solutions um, we, to get to certain things, and even with our our, our aspect, it's think one hundred percent, which means you know one hundred percent renewable, um, clean energy. Some people would say that's twenty twenty five. Some people would say twenty fifty. Uh, for as we wrap up, let me just how how. Do we pull everybody together? Because this is this is serious. Because we we have a clock ticking, and so I can understand the. You, we all can understand why people would be there. There's energy behind wanting to move fast, and we need to move fast. But for a movement that has to pull together internationally, had to pull together and domestically, how do we do that? Well, sometimes um, when you have an opponent, it can help to. Organize, And I think we're seeing that right now. I think we're seeing people coming together against the Trump administration and, 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 and all of the, the rollbacks. But I also think it's important to remember, you know, the environment isn't just about or protecting the environment isn't just about a pretty place you're going to go on vacation. It is about where we live our lives right. and how we live our that's lives. Right. And everybody has a stake in that. I know that's right. Now, I can't let you get out of here. No, this is called the Hip Hop Caucus Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. So, you know, I, I, I heard you got, you, you you had a few speeches when you've been quoting about the Jay-Z, you know what I'm saying? Hover, you know what I mean? So, so I, let me get it. So, what, what were some of those uh, uh, Jay-Z quotes you were dropping uh, in some of the speeches you gave. Well, I, I you know, I love Jay-Z. Um, he, uh, he has a nice little line about 99 problems. Okay, uh, okay. I pointed out okay. uh, that uh, scientific <laughs> consensus wasn't one of them. All right, and, okay. Uh, then I, you got to love his line, you know, brush your shoulders Oh, off. come on now. And what I would say is <laughs> yeah. to everyone listening, to every young person out there, brush your shoulders off, yeah. join the movement. Oh, man. Carol, thank you. Come on, Rut. Yeah, come on now. This has got to be the coolest show on climate. Carol Bronner, thank you so much. And this episode is how we are uniting to build a powerful movement to win. I just really want to give a thanks to uh, Carol Bronner, who was just here, the former administrator for the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Um, 
And uh, you know, we 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 gonna we gonna keep right on we gonna keep right on with it. This is that we say in hip hop, can't stop, won't stop. Um, because we have so much to cover. Um I have my friend in here, Amanda Aguirre, who's here. Um uh, she is the executive vice president and chief operating officer for Green Latino. She's a former EPA and White House official and she has been bridging multiple movements as a young leader. Amanda, how are you? Great, I'm great. Um, I'm wonderful. Uh, I'm recovering from the rain today, but I'm lucky to be here with you, and I'm excited to have this conversation. No, man, it's so good. You know, it's so good. I got some great friends from Green Latino. Shout out to to the whole crew over there. For those who don't know, give a little background on what is Green Latinos. Absolutely. Um, so Green Latinos is a national nonprofit of environmental uh, conservation advocates. Uh, we like to say that we uh, are a network of individual members, which means that you can be a Latino working at a major green group. You can be a Latina mother with no official uh, connection to the environmental movement uh, through your professional life. You can be a member of a major Latino uh, organization um, and just care about the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're half professional support and half policy and advocacy, which means, you know, in our origination and creation, we wanted to create uh, a table and a network of Latinos that could come together, break bread with one another, support one another, and work alongside one another. Uh, you know, our uh, founder uh, and president, uh, Mark Magana, said that when he started off in this movement, he would realize that two Latinos can work at the same environmental organization and may not have ever interacted. Um, And we all face common struggles. um, And in times like this, really kind of banding together and working alongside each other in a professional and a personal capacity really makes a difference. Uh, The other side of the organization uh, is policy and advocacy, right? So this is where we get into the intersectional movement building, uh, standing up against Scott Pruitt and his rollbacks to the Clean Power Plan. uh, And we're member driven. Uh, So we work on a variety of conservation and environmental policy issues. I'm going to rattle off a few, but it's not all encompassing. Uh, It can be uh, Puerto Rico. It can be toxins. It can be climate and clean air, uh, environmental justice and public uh, 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 policy issues, um, and lands, um, all the things that uh, Latinos care about and that intersect with the environment. No, no. Thank you. You mentioned Puerto Rico. I kind of want to, we've been talking about this today, the six-month anniversary. Yes of when um, Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico. And we have been, again, just want to give much love to those who are still struggling, uh, much love. Um, you know, those, I mean, you know, we, we know what this means. Um, you know, I, I actually, I can't imagine what it means. I can't imagine being a blackout for six months. I can't imagine not having power um, um, in that aspect. We know that there's lack of housing. And, and, and lack of, there's been just not enough even for suicides, unfortunately, because people are giving up hope. So we, this, this show, think 100%, um, the coolest show on climate change, you know, wants to give a little bit of hope. Um, uh, if you can speak to them right now, I you know, what would you tell your, your, your friends, um, who are either in the, from the U.S. Virgin Islands, and I, the whole, let's just actually go through, not just even for Puerto Rico, but those from, there with Harvey and, and, and Irma, Irma actually came past before Maria. What, what would you give us, is there a bit of hope for those who are today six months and still struggling with that after that storm? 
Yeah, six months. It's the uh, longest power blackout in U.S. history. Uh, and I don't have to imagine what I would say. Uh, I was born in California and raised in Houston. Um, and between my husband and I, I have over um, close to 40 family members in Houston. Um, I'm lucky to still have them all, but uh, it's been a hard road for them. And actually, we had Green Latino staff, and I was with uh, Puerto Ricans from the island who were advocating today um, on the six-month anniversary, asking for aid uh, and resources that they need. Um, so what I'd say is that we're here with you and we're not just here with you today or tomorrow we're here with you for the long haul i know that's right um and we're going to be here not just um with you but listening to you standing alongside you and understanding that this is not just about rebuilding a grid or building up a house um that your entire lives have been affected um whether you're from the virgin islands or houston which means it's an emotional um and a spiritual um Speak on journey. That. what does that mean when you say folks are dealing with an emotional and spiritual journey roller coaster what does that mean it means that not only did you go through the trauma of going through the actual hurricane itself your entire life and society was disrupted mm. uh, you rebuild from that you look around and in the case of puerto rico you don't get what you need um, you get told you're going to get what you need um, and even then um, it, it's it's not done in the manner and it's not expeditiously enough um, i was actually uh, in a briefing yesterday and it was startling to hear the numbers uh, of uh, resources that were coming down from FEMA, which I don't think it'll be surprising when I say it's nowhere near enough. Mm. Um, we're talking about an average of 3,000 um, when people are requesting close to 33,000 to rebuild a house. You mean dollars? Dollars, yeah. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's it's devastating, but it's it's long term work and it's it's complicated. But when I when I talk about the soul, I mean that people need to hear hope. That's right. Uh, and they need to hear honesty. Uh, and they need to hear resilience from people like us who are lucky enough to have lights shining down on us. That's right. And I just drank a, a sip of clean water and mm. didn't blink an eye. Uh, and I'm blessed to have that. And not many have that today. No, nah, thank you, man. This is this is this is. I tell you, this is this is this this is the time you have to tune in. This is the time. Listen, if you tell your friends, tell your tell your cousins, make sure they go online. They 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 tune. They they go on eighty nine point three WPFW. Whatever it is, you are listening to the Hip Hop Caucus. Think one hundred percent. The coolest show on climate change. This is Rev Year. Where you can follow the conversation at hashtag Think one hundred on. Twitter. Um, you know, Amanda, we have Amanda with us from Green Latinos in, in, in the studio. Um, there was a new report out today saying there will be 143 new migrants around the world by 2050 because of climate change. What does that mean? Uh, that means that, uh, well, first I want to recognize that we already have a host of uh, climate migrants uh, here yes. in the United States. Speak on that. Uh, it, it, uh, we have, you know, I'm going to segue a little bit into kind of dockers and, and dreamers and That's refugees right. in general, uh, that we need to understand that uh, the people who have come to this country have come here for a reason. Um, and it is deeply connected with uh, natural disasters. And so this is not a problem that is going to go away. And this is not something uh, that we can sweep under the rug. Uh, and, you know, as environmentalists, we talk about being uh, stewards of the earth. 
uh, we talk about protecting our communities um, in a form of equity and justice. Um, and that means the land and the water, but it means the people in it. Um, so it means uh, those who are protected by TPS. Uh, it means uh, those are, who are DACA recipients. It means about the uh, current uh, immigrants and refugees who are here because of climate and other unfortunate things. And it means the future folks who will need our um, help and care. Um, so we have to uh, think about this in a holistic perspective and realizing that um, we may not have physically immigrated over here, but we all are immigrants and dreamers um and we have a responsibility um morally to them no 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 and, and actually i want to i want to i want to I I take a step back from that first and foremost for those uh i was the first person uh, in my family pretty much so i think my, somebody i'm not we we got to figure out about the first first or the second um but my both my mom and my daddy are from the great island of trinidad and tobago and so they came here like many immigrants uh to do better um, and, and they have, and clearly they have added so much uh, to this country um, in this process. But I want to deal with that as we, our movement, Amanda, sometimes wants to put things in silos, yeah. right? So they want to put, okay, we're going to put immigration over here. We're going to put criminal justice over there, climate justice over, over, over to the side over here. Um, you know, uh, 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 police reform or whatever gun reform, and we want to put things inside. And what you're saying now is that truly that immigration and climate change are connected. And okay. if you can, and if you fight immigration as well as fight climate change, you're saying that there are solutions in that in, in that pattern. Explain that. How how about fighting immigration? and climate change at the same time, are we going to find solutions for both? Yeah, because um, it, to win in, in, in any of these issue areas, now more than ever, uh, we need more people. Mm. We need more resources. Uh, we need more power. Um, and power is with people in numbers and solidarity. Um, and, you know, when I, when I think about these interconnected issues, uh, I think about being a person, right? Like, you know, I'll think about, I was a, a daughter of um, a teen mother, and my mama didn't have the luxury to think just about my education or just about my food or just about my health care. Um, we had to think about everything. And it's that's the same way I approach these movements, is that we can't isolate them because we have an obligation to one another and as a society. Um, and I also think that we're stronger because of it, right? I, I'll pick a little bit more on the issue of, of uh, immigration because something comes up along with it, right? We hear a lot about the border wall. Right. Um, what we don't hear about enough is uh, the border wall, uh, the communities on the border um, that are drastically affected, uh, the wildlife there. It's an ecosystem that is all intertwined, um, and it is a false notion that we have to mm -hmm. pick one or the other. We should be fighting alongside each other, um, fighting for equitable justice and the protection of our culture, our communities, our health, um, and our future. Mm. I tell you, man, you 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 dropping it there. You laying you laying you laying it out there. You are you you are you are making sure. So tell me, how do people who are listening right now get involved with this fight? And actually, let me say this: maybe for those who are listening right now, what is actually going on with the immigration movement? So they can be clear, because they kind of hear different things that are going on. Speak on that, and then also, what is climate change to you? 
sure. Uh, so two parters. Two parters. Two, two parters. Uh, so I'll, I'll close out the uh, kind of immigration piece. Uh, uh, the dreamers um, and the community as a whole is still striving for what we were striving for in the beginning. We're striving for a long-term solution that provides security and safety for dreamers uh, without compromising their families, uh, their communities, which include um, putting up a harmful border wall or adding more beds and detention centers. And where we're at is we're focused on the omnibus and the budget now. Um, but I don't want us to get lost in politics if you're someone who may not be following the issue closely. Because no matter what's happening on Capitol Hill, at its foundation, they need your support today. They're That's going to right. need your support in a couple weeks. That's right. And we shouldn't be caught up in the political rhetoric of what may be moving because I have a foundation. We should still be standing with them. Um, and I think we'll see it come up uh, in the issue of women's rights. We'll see it come up in the issue of gun violence. These are all issues that we should be continuous to, despite what we're hearing and where the ball's being um, tossed Um and then to your to your point on oh, what is climate change? What, what is uh, that's, that's my because <laughs> this is this, this is hip hop caucus think one hundred percent the coolest show on climate change. So we want to so folks folks know what the cool is, but then what is the climate change? So if you can just from you from your perspective, what is climate change? Yeah, you know what I know. Uh, Administrator, former Administrator Brown, I just uh, talked about her perspective. You know, I'm going to talk about what resonates with me most no, that's, that's uh, forcefully it. related to climate change, uh, and that's the public health impact of it, mm. um, right? Uh, it's natural disasters. It's uh, our, our changing uh, climate. Um, but at its core, it is a public health issue. Uh, and I like to, to talk about how I got into to no, this no, issue ahead, area a little ahead. bit and, and how I answer this is that I started off as a community organizer registering Latino families for and children Medicaid. And I was focused, um, I did it with the Children's Defense Fund, I was focused on an immediate thing that affected my community that I needed to take action now. And at that time years ago, and I'm saying this story because I don't think many people are, are different than me if they're not already activating on climate, I didn't see myself wearing an REI backpack. I didn't have the luxury to do what I thought was glamorous. Um, and it took me a second, but it's very clear to me now uh, that climate change is something that's affecting our public health. That's right. Um, Latinos are more likely than any other community uh, to be faced with uh, the co-pollutant effects that affect our asthma. Puerto Ricans in particular uh, have the highest rates of asthma of, of any children. Um, and so when I think of ch climate change, I think of all of the emotional, um, mental health, uh, respiratory, uh, and other toxins that affect us. No, no. Well, thank you. Well, man, stay right there. We got, we got a special guest. On on the line and 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 man, we got I just you know I do, this is this this is this is this is this is going to be a, a happening place to be for those who are listening. You are listening to the Think One Hundred Percent, the coolest show on climate change, and I believe on the line I have the amazing Vernice Miller Travis, who was the who is the senior advisor for environmental justice and equitable development as skill solutions he's just a champion for communities for decades uh, uh vernice are, are you on the line i am on the line rev how are you man i'm i'm doing all we listen we in here fighting the good fight i've this this topic has been hot tonight even though it's the coolest show it's been hot in here tonight uh, uh how are you I am good. I am good. And I'm sorry I'm not in the studio with you, but I thought I should get indoors. It's really snowing out here in Bowie. No, no, I, I, I understand that. So so off off the bat, really, let me just let me just say this for you. You are an early leader in the environmental justice movement. And and what similarities do you see between what is happening today and 
um, you know, in the 20th century um, back then? Denial. Um, you know, people of color, poor people, immigrant communities. And hey, Amanda. Hey, girl, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, you know, we kept saying um, that we were sick, that we were dying, that we were living in polluted circumstances, that no one was paying attention to what was happening to us, that our communities were being treated like, um, you know, like they were extensions of the landfills or the incinerators or the sewage treatment plants or the um, uh, hazardous waste sites that existed in our midst, that people didn't value our lives, and um, that we demanded equal treatment before the law. We fought that battle for a really long time before we got the EPA um, and state regulators and local regulators and the private sector and industry to pay attention to what we were saying. Um, so it, it reminds me very much of this debate we're having around um, climate change and global warming, where, you know, there are some people who insist that this is not real. And there were many people who told us that we were imagining what was happening, that in fact we weren't being treated differently from, from anyone else. And as Amanda just said, um, our, you know, Puerto Rican children have very high rates of, um, of asthma and respiratory disease. The community that I'm from in New York and Harlem, we have the highest premature rate of death from asthma mm. of any community in the United States, not just in New York City or New York State, but in the entire country. And clearly somebody must have known you the time, but didn't value it enough to look into it, research it, and to do any intervention. We have to do it ourselves. And we built a community-based nonprofit group, we asked for environmental justice, to fight that, that battle. We're still fighting. 32 years later, we're still in that fight. But it so reminds me of that conversation. And we spent and wasted an enormous amount of time as advocates, communities, and, and scientists and public health folks to do it now, battling around whether or not this is real. You know, you're dying. You don't need somebody to affirm to you that you are sick, you are struggling, and your whole community is at risk. You don't need to be engaged in that debate. We were in that debate for about 15 years, including a debate with US EPA about whether or not we were being discriminated against, whether or not um, we were experiencing environmental threats and harms at a greater rate than any other segment of society. We were. Um, we had to go out and do our own research. We had to go out and partner with, you know, academic institutions, particularly um, historically black colleges and universities and other minority-serving institutions. But also, I want to give a shout-out to the University of Michigan School of Natural Resources and the Environment. That also was a big part of beginning to pull together the data to underscore that exactly what we were saying, we were saying was exactly what what, it, what was happening. And just a couple weeks ago, even US EPA's um, uh, clean air science um, scientists uh, came out with a report that said, in fact, people of color out are more exposed to air pollution and are more harmed by it, and and uh, are finding themselves um, having a difficult time trying to get access to clean air. So you know, finally. It's only been 35 years, but finally, even EPA has affirmed what we've been saying. So um, it so reminds me of this debate we're having around climate change. And I got so fed up at a certain point. I said, you know what? I'm not going to any more conferences. I'm not being on any more panels. I'm not debating anybody else about whether or not my community, my family, I am suffering. I'm not getting in that debate. I know the data is real. I know our reality is real. If you want to talk about what we can do about it, I will talk with you about that all night and all day. But I'm not debating with you 
the reality of the threat that we're under. And that's sort of where we are around climate change and global warming, right? Mm, come on now, come on now, Vernice. I tell you, this is this is, this is what we say we we have real talk here at, at Think One Hundred Percent. This this is this is this is what we have. Vernice, you know, Mustafa is speaking tomorrow at the Funders Network, and I know. Can you talk about your work at the Ford Foundation and how critical it is for there to be a paradigm shift in supporting and financially and fi- and financing organizations? Like uh, Green Latinos, like WEAC, like Green for All, uh, uh, like Uproads, like the Hip Hop Caucus, organizations working on environmental justice and climate justice. Why is that important? Because you know, if, if I, I I was sort of a long time ago, no cash, no cause, and so explain why <laughs> it's important for folks to have those kind of resources. So you know, um, when you think about all the breadth and depth of the environmental movement in the United States. It's a movement that has largely been a social movement in partnership with the philanthropic sector. Um, and so, you know, as each of these organizations uh, got started, the Natural Resources Defense Council, where I used to work, the Environmental Defense Fund, the National Wildlife Federation, the Ford Foundation was a critical partner early on in the in the creation and existence and evolution and growth and development of those organizations. I dare say, were it not from the widespread philanthropic support that most major environmental organizations or green groups, as they're sometimes called, received from the philanthropic sector, they wouldn't be nearly as big or powerful or substantial as they are now. Um, but folks working at the more grassroots level, um, the hip-hop caucus, uh, kinds of organizations, Green Latinos, WEAC, Uproads, and so many other groups around the country did not have that access and did not have that support. And sad to say, even now, in the 21st century, they still don't have that support. So I um, was very, very fortunate and was asked to um, to come to the Ford Foundation and create an environmental justice grant-making portfolio and program that was passed through environmental justice movement in the United States and um, partner entities around the country, around the world. So I also did grant making in addition to um, communities across the breadth of the United States. I also did grant making in South Africa, in um, in Nepal, in India, in Sri Lanka, in Brazil, um, because we had um, sister organizations that were that were rising up around the world that were also looking at the environmental justice and environmental justice frame to advance their work in their country. So I got to, um, you know, to really invest in growing the capacity of these groups. I got to invest in um, in the actual work and organizing that there was myself and a number of my colleagues at Ford at the time also created a grant-making program to support organizing, community organizing, because that is really hard to raise money to do, right? It's transformative work. It's really the only work that actually works. Stuff that you do person, door-to-door, door-knocking, corner-knocking, so I funded that. I funded partnerships between um, mainstream civil rights groups and um, environmental legal advocacy groups to provide the legal advocacy and support for a lot of the EJ groups around the country. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. 
a hip hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think 100 Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. Think 100. Think 100.